Welcome to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. John is the bishop of the Interdenominational Order of Missioners of the Holy Spirit, and he's the founder of Hope on the Way Ministries. Now, join Father John and discover hope and relevant answers in following Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Hello, this is Father John, and you're listening to the Hope on the Way podcast. And today I have my podcast partner, Poppy, the miniature dachshund, with us today. And this is a video cast of the Hope on the Way podcast. And I don't think Poppy's going to have too much to say today, are you, Poppy? And uh, hopefully we'll keep the barks to a minimum. I'm going to put her in her bed. Anyway, thanks, Poppy, for that cameo appearance. Well, today we're going to delve into 2024. And by the way, welcome to 2024. I think it's going to be a um, bit of a wild ride, if you know what I mean. I'm expecting a thrill ride rather than just kind of a boring slog. And so let's get right to it with a passage of scripture and again this is a video cast so i'm sharing my screen with the folks who are able to watch via video but if not you're perfectly fine listening via um just a regular audio podcast all right making a few adjustments all right let's get right to it now Today's topic is discerning the signs of the times. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 3, you know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. I would think there were some people who were a little bit slow in Jesus's day who who were good at uh, figuring out the weather, but not too good at figuring out the kingdom of God climate, and uh, we certainly don't want to get behind the signs of the times here at the Hope on the Way podcast. So today, I'm going to just briefly share some signs that I see developing in the last three years, signs that um, either by way of intensity or just their newness and uniqueness that kind of say things aren't business as usual, not business as usual. And I think that as we enter into 2024, we need to have a different paradigm for ministry. So let's get into that now. And again, I'm not going to really exhaustively explore these signs and kind of delve into them uh, in depth, but I just want to uh, bring them to your attention as things to be on the lookout for. Again, sharing my screen again with the good folks here. And as we think about the signs of the times, the first sign I see that is, I believe, new in my lifetime is a growing creeping authoritarianism. 
Matt Schellenberg in his Substack news site called Public has repeatedly talked about censorship and the growing, creeping authoritarianism of our times. And I hate to name names, and I, I tend not to get very political. And by the way, I, I'm, I'm not a Democrat for sure, and I'm not a registered Republican. Um, so this isn't a political issue for me, but the cultural left and the political left in our country have decided to abandon civil liberties and to invest in what these classical liberal reporters from Substack are calling a creeping authoritarianism. And this isn't just MAGA folks who are making this accusation. These are people who are on the classic liberal, the classic liberal left of culture and politics to say, hey, we see a danger in the growing, creeping authoritarianism. Uh, another sign we see happening is the rise of artificial intelligence. And that's not a great combination when you've got a creeping authoritarianism and a more in-depth and sophisticated means of enforcing that through censorship and other ways in the ability of advanced artificial intelligence. I mean, as a kid, I remember watching on TV the series Battlestar Galactica. And basically, the series was a huge warning is that, hey, AI is going to mess you up. And we also see, uh, getting back to the shared screen here, a rise in creeping authoritarianism, a rise in the advancement of artificial intelligence, Again, bad actors in charge of uh, artificial intelligence can do a lot in way of violating our civil liberties and uh, having some technical issues. There we go. For those of you watching on the video cast, um, another pandemic is being predicted. Great. Wasn't the last one enough? Now, I'm not a COVID denier. I know COVID has messed some people up and have taken a lot of lives, and that's a tragedy. So not a COVID denier. But um, on the screen here, I'm sharing a little meme that says, six feet, be smart, stay apart. I was all for taking two weeks to flatten the curve. But when two weeks turned into four weeks, and four weeks turned into six weeks, and six weeks turned into a year, and a year turned into a year and a half, and more and more draconian measures and more and more the church giving up its First Amendment rights, its rights to gather and to worship. Something, something was wrong. And by and large, by and large, the church complied that it by and large gave up its right to gather physically and to worship the Lord as commanded by sacred scripture. And so another thing we see in terms of signs of the times is global conflict. And you may say, well, that's nothing new. And certainly in my time and the years I've been on earth is that global conflict has not been something new. But I think what is new is that for the first time since 1980, I'm hearing the term World War III. 
it's been since the 1980s that I've heard a discussion by serious journalists, serious politicians talking about the potential of World War III is just amazing to me. We have a hot war in Europe. Sweden and Finland have joined NATO. The uh, Swedish defense minister, one of their generals at least, talked about um, the need for Sweden to prepare for the next 10 years where they could see the outbreak of World War III with Russia. In the Far East, we see that Taiwan is a tripwire. President Biden has said that if China invades Taiwan, the U.S. will be at war with China. And according to many demographers and uh, political analysts, it is believed that China is at the apex of its industrialization, its militarization, and that um, it's reached the apex of that. And if China is going to do it, invade Taiwan, it's going to be within the next five years for them to be able to pull this off. And then, of course, we have something that's not new. It's like a volcano that keeps erupting, but nothing, nothing this serious. I haven't seen anything this serious since the Yom Kippur War in the 70s that the nation of Israel is at, uh, at war again. And a greater war is uh, potentially on the horizon. In fact, uh, I heard an Israeli general talk about the need for Israeli forces to prepare for the inevitable, a war with Hezbollah, which is an Ira Iranian proxy. And so sacred scripture talks about it, at the end of times that uh, Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling and the nation of Israel will be the focal point of humanity and and war and famine and plagues and these sort of things will attend to these birth pains, if you will, that mark the end of the age. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's just keep sharing some more unique and astounding signs that we're seeing as we head into 2024. And once again, we're seeing cultural and political and social unrest. We haven't seen anything like this in our nation since the 1960s. In college, I took a graduate course in the 1960s, about the 1960s, and the thesis of the course was the center held. So in spite of the cultural upheaval of the 60s and uh, the, the crisis that broke out, with the left-wing extremism in the 60s is that the center of American politics held. But today, there doesn't seem to be a center. There seems to be a left and a right and really not much in between. And I would say we could go way in depth into this topic about cultural, political, and social unrest. But let me just say this, is that the church has to come to terms. The church in the West has to come to terms with two things. The first thing is that the Christian era is over, is that we live in a post-Christian age where the Judeo-Christian uh, ethics, social ethics, ethics of morality, 
do not hold sway in society where the institutions of Christianity are not looked upon favorably by our society. In fact, the ideas of, of the Christian faith are at odds with the prevailing progressive agenda of left-wing culture in our society, which is more and more predominating the thinking of Western civilization. The church has lost its sway, but hopefully the church won't lose its way. And I think another thing we have to come with terms to terms with in this cultural, political, social unrest is that um, Christendom isn't coming back. That what was the dominant culture for a thousand years in Western civilization is gone. And something else, call it post-Christendom, call it post-modernism, has replaced it. Now, moving on, fragile food supplies. We're told that an EMP burst, a severe EMP burst by the sun or a severe EMP attack by an enemy could take out the power grid of most of America which is reliant on all these supply chains. I mean, during, during the end of the pandemic, we saw this rising, crazy inflation and Janet Yellen, the secretary of the treasury said, well, it's just a temporary thing because supply chains have been broken, but um, inflation has continued. And it has shown us, it has shown us that our supply chain is very fragile and ever more so our food supply chain is that i don't want to overplay this overstate it i don't want to be hyperbolic but we're only a couple steps away from our fragile food supply chain being broken and there being a crisis when that happens in the united states all of us i think in the last three years have gone to a grocery store and seen um, that at one time or another, it's been picked over. And there's there's not a whole lot on the shelf. Maybe the staples of what we need to survive, but but our, our supply chains are fragile and certainly our food supply uh, system is more fragile than we might want to believe. Now, continuing to more signs, new world economic order. I've listened to many demographers and political analysts say that the old era where there was a Pax Americana, where the American peace kept the shipping lanes for global trade open has now been subsiding. No matter who you're for, whether you're for Biden or Trump, is um, this globalistic guarantee of security for shipping lanes is for all practical purposes going to more and more decline and we're getting into an era where it's kind of each nation for their own and new alliances are are being formed and a new a new economic system is is coming into uh transition from what was to what is and no one's really certain of what that's going to be. We can say this, and some are saying it, that with the 
astounding national debt that the United States and other Western nations are running up, the United States trillions of dollars, inconceivable debt, is that we could see an economic crisis that buries our currency and that we have a currency crisis. And again, couple a currency crisis, a financial crisis with a rising ability of AI, coupled with a creeping authoritarianism, a collusion of authoritarianism and censorship and control by the bureaucratic state, by bad actors in big tech. And again, we could see a severe limitation once again of our civil liberties, especially our liberty of free speech and our liberty of assembly and religious assembly. All right, continuing on to this, just a couple more to share with you. These growing signs. Another one is the astounding sign of UFO disclosure. Whether or not the United States actually has bodies or biologics, whether or not the United States government or its defense contractors are in possession of non-human intelligence craft, whether or not that's true or not, there have been unidentified flying objects, and they're called UAP now, uh, imaged and filmed and tracked by military imaging, by military aviators. And it's undeniable, and the government's admitting that these things exist. And the reason they're being called UAPs, unidentified anomalous phenomenon, rather than UFOs, is because they're not always flying. Sometimes, in many times cases, they're underwater. They're transmedium objects, and nobody knows what they are, or do they know? But you, you, have, you have a great cover story for a great deception that could emerge in the coming year, in the coming years. Tucker Carlson recently was noted by saying uh, publicly that from the sources that he's listening to, the UFO phenomenon is spiritual and it's dark, it's evil. The last one I wanna get into here is another one that's of great concern, and that is a growing apostasy in the church, apostasy in the church. And I've talked about this in other podcasts, but it's not only necessary in the time we're in that we are biblical, we have to also embrace the apostolic faith that was given to the church by Christ and the apostles and was commented on by the earliest church fathers. It was the early church that gave us the scriptures and what they had to say about sacred scripture would hold sway because today we have those who are on the verge of apostasy and those who have gone over to the other side into apostasy, they claim to be biblical as well. And there is a growing, a growing apostasy in the church. I'm not just saying it. 
it's not just Catholics that are just saying it, it's not just Protestants are saying it, is that those who are standing firm in the apostolic faith are warning the church that there is a growing apostasy. And um, it's going to be very challenging. In fact, Jesus said in the Gospels that at the end of the age that there would be such a great deception that if it were possible, even the elect could be deceived by the apostasy that will come upon the church. And so I'd like to just get into our two lectionary scripture passages for this coming Sunday. And they are, first of all, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And the question is, in light of what we see going on, it's not just one thing. It's just like all of these signs are, are there. Some of them have been here a long time, but their intensity, their focal, their, their folk, their, their focal points, uh, some are new. It's just like there's these little fires that are threatening to converge and become a big fire. And the Apostle Paul addresses the Corinthian church on how they should live in the times they were in. And Paul said, let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. In fact, from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Paul says, don't focus. He doesn't say not to focus on your marriage, but he said, don't just merely focus on your marriage. So that's important. In verse 30, he goes on to say, those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be observed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them, for this world as we know it will soon pass away. If Paul was writing to the Corinthian believers according to the signs of their age, how much more should we be affected by Paul's admonition in terms of the signs of our age? Is we are in this new era. I call it post-Christendom, whatever you want to call it, post-modernity. We're in a different era, and it calls for a different way of thinking, and it calls for a different way of living. And many Christian authors have been taking up this subject, how should we then live? And uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to give some practical suggestions for um, how you might approach living out your Christian faith in 2024. But let's just go ahead and continue. In our gospel reading for this Sunday, Jesus says um, that the time promised by God has come at last, Christ announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So, you know, Let's keep the main thing the main thing. That's the message. The message is the kingdom of God is near, and it's near It's near now than it ever has been in terms of its consummation. Though Jesus inaugurated the kingdom, Jesus will return and consummate it. And then right after this, it says one day, 
As Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother, Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. This is how they did their livelihood, folks. This is how they fed their families. And Jesus called out to them and said, come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Again, doing exactly what Paul said is that, hey, a different time has come. Notice that Jesus, when he, he comes and he announces the kingdom of God, he doesn't say, hey, you know what? We need to stay super close to the synagogue and, and do everything in the four walls of the synagogue and don't venture out and, and uh, we should just kind of hunker down. No, he says, he says, come and I'll show you how to fish for people. Jesus preaches a message about extending the kingdom of God. So what's next for us? What's next for us in 2024? In light of these convergence of these different signs that are happening, these upheavals in our society, uh, the thrill ride that will probably be 2024, how should you then live? First of all, you've got to stand firm in the apostolic faith. That has to be concrete for you. In fact, if, if you could anchor your feet in the concrete of the apostolic faith, the faith that Jews said was once and for all delivered to the saints, because no matter how biblical you are, how strong in your faith you are, it's going to be very difficult in the year and in the years ahead to stand firm in the faith delivered to the church by Jesus Christ and the apostles, the faith that is recorded in sacred scripture. So you've got to know that faith. It's important for you folks to know what the earliest apostolic fathers of the church taught. Again, the early church gave us the, the, the New Testament. And what they had to say about, about the New Testament should guide us. Their ideas, their attitudes about morality, what was right, what was wrong, what was marriage, what was family, what was the circumstances of Christ's coming being? Did the early church fathers believe that there would be a literal antichrist? They did, in spite of what you may be hearing. The Antichrist has not come. The church fathers clearly taught that the man of lawlessness would come along with the great deception, the apostasia of the church. So prepare, prepare to anchor your feet in the concrete of the apostolic faith and don't, and don't stray. What's next also is that we must focus on the big picture, the kingdom of God. When we think about the kingdom of God, we are led to the big picture. There was a time in Jesus's ministry where he goes into the synagogue at Capernaum, the beginning of his ministry, a man with an evil spirit manifests and he delivers the, the man from the evil spirit. And then 
after the Sabbath is over, there's a, a healing ministry that goes on in Peter's home. And early in the morning, Jesus gets up and he goes to pray and the disciples find him and say, what are you doing out here? Everybody's looking for you. Let's go back into town and do it again. And Jesus says, no, we've got to go out. We've got to go out. We've got to expand the kingdom. Jesus was not just thinking locally. He did think locally. He went from village to village and town to town. But he had the big picture. And brothers and sisters, we have to have the big picture. That our local congregations, our local ministries are part of the big picture of extending the kingdom of God. And I'm going to talk more about that in terms of partnering to advance and extend the kingdom of God. But as we continue, how should we live? How should we live for 2024? We need to prioritize the re-evangelization of post-Christian culture. This needs to be a priority for the church. Now, some of you may be in congregations, and some of you may be at points in your life, and you know, you're just saying, Father John, we just... We just need to work on ourselves. We're broken, we're hurting, or certain things that I get it. I get it. And I'm going to talk about that here in just, just a few seconds. Right. But in that top 10 list, re-evangelizing post-Christian culture has to be in there. It's the very nature of what has happened to society. Remember, this has happened on our watch. The nation has gone, as my mom used to say. To hell in a handbasket on our watch. We're responsible. Now, as part of that reprioritization to re-evangelize post-Christian culture, to do that, we need to do three things. Number one, there are so many good people in the church who could be influencers, who could be those fisher people who go out with Jesus on mission in our culture and oh learn to fish and bring in bring in the harvest but for many reasons we have a broken generation and one of the things the church needs to do in prioritizing re-evangelization is that we need to establish healing ministries we need to do it if we can in our local churches but sometimes we just can't do it by ourselves we need to do it regionally and i'm going to talk about these strategic partnerships in a minute but we also need to do equipping. We need to equip the laity of the church to uh, go out into the harvest field, just as Jesus equipped his disciples. And those of us who are clergy in the church, we need to model that for the laity. And then we need to release, 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 release the laity as they're healed and as we equip them. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. When you have authority and power, the natural tendency is to make it about you. I get it. And the more authority and the more power and the more influence you have, the more temptation it is to make it about you. And when we release the laity of the church, that threatens, that threatens us who are in charge, whether we're clergy or whether we're ministry leaders or whatever, because now they go out with power and they go out with authority. But to re-evangelize post-Christian culture, we have to do it 
at the grassroots level. For instance, my ministry's focus is on grassroots, grassroots ministry. How tempting it would be, even if I could do it, to go ahead and rent a big auditorium or, or some other big structure and bring in some big names and gather people regionally. I'm not saying it's, ne it's necessarily wrong to do that, but, but the people we're trying to reach aren't going to gather with us in a stadium. We've got to go house to house, apartment to com complex to apartment complex, business to business, school to school. We've got to do it at the grassroots level. Now, let's go on. A few more steps of how we should live in 2024. I've talked about this a, a few times, is that we have to form strategic kingdom partnerships. Strategic kingdom partnerships. And as I've rubbed elbows with different people out in the, the bigger church, the greater church, this is an area where we struggle. Brothers and sisters, we struggle with this. Here's one thing we can't do, in my opinion, is that we can't just give shows of unity pretentiously. Well, you know, John 17 says we're all supposed to be one, so let's just make a show of it and let's have a let's have a community worship service on Easter. And you know, if that's the thing you're into and you're doing, I I don't I don't think that's bad. I don't think it's wrong. But what I am saying is that we need to be in real relationship as a kingdom community, as the greater church in post-Christian culture. And we need to have these relationships. And we need to see that when we can't work alone, we need to work together with others who have that same DNA and values as we do. Let me just give you an example. I know of a kind of a hipster church, a contemporary praise and worship church in the Seattle area that discovered that there was a segment in their community that they were going to never reach. And this segment were people who were interested in liturgical uh, worship, the liturgical sacramental expression of Christianity. And so what this church did is it planted a liturgical congregation in their church building. Not only did they plant a liturgical congregation in their church building, this hipster contemporary praise and worship church planted a liturgical congregation from a different denomination in their church building. Now that's kingdom partnership. That's seeing the big picture. Let's just take healing ministry. There's so many that are on the sidelines, if you will. They got hurt by playing the game. And if they were football players, hey, we'd get them into the training room and get them healed up and get them back into the game. But in the church, what we tend to do is, is kind of beat you when you're down. Well, how come you're not out there? How come you're not ministry? How come you're not? And so the healing ministry is, is important today. Many people are hearing the word that I'm hearing who are involved in healing ministry, is that God wants to use healing ministry to recommission people back into ministry, especially lay people have been hurt, been hurt while doing the, the work of Jesus in the community. 
And so many churches either don't know how or they can't do it by themselves. And we need to be prepared to partner regionally with regional uh, healing ministries. Strategic partnerships are going to be huge, especially as more and more people fall away into a growing apostasy in the church. All right, last one today is that we need to equip the church to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's near and dear to my heart. If you look at the apostolic church, they ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Romans that by the, the power of signs and wonders, I fully proclaim the gospel from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. That's what Paul did, is that he, he, he demonstrated the veracity of the gospel by signs and wonders. These were power encounters of truth. This wasn't a society that was eclectic in its, its acceptance of religious truth, much like ours. In fact, post-Christendom has more in common with first century Christianity, in my opinion, than it does with 21st century Christianity. And we've got to learn to operate in the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit. And we, we've, we've got to get over a few things to do this. Number one is that many people are reluctant to engage in this ministry because they've seen really bad models, pretentious models of how it's done. And sometimes what can be happening is actually real, while the way it's being done is pretentious. And that's not just true of charismatic ministry. That is true of uh, many other aspects of ministry where, where God says, oh my goodness, that person's pretentious, but I want, I want blessing to flow. And I don't, I'm going to use that person in spite of their pretentiousness. Another thing I think that inhibits us from operating in the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit even the denominations that have been historically charismatic, is that um, it's just not cool. I have talked to, to uh, young pastors from historically charismatic denominations and, and asked them, you know, hey, are you doing the stuff? Are you doing the signs and wonders? Are you doing the gifts of the Spirit? Are you going out in the community and, and prophesying and healing and Casting out, he goes, and you go, why aren't you doing it? And it's like, oh, man, excuse, 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 but it's just not cool. It doesn't fit into our hipster our hipster presentation. Let me just say about this, a little bit about this, is, is that I don't even necessarily think that that golden hour of American Christianity and Western Christianity, that golden church hour, is even the best place to do this kind of ministry. I certainly wouldn't kick the Holy Spirit out for doing it in that golden hour, but it's not necessarily the best place. Doing it house to house, apartment complex to apartment complex, at lunchtime in business and schools. That that's that's when the rubber hits hits the road. It's doing it at the grassroots level. I think there's another group of you out there who 
are intrigued by the charismatic dimension of the gospel is that you're open but very cautious about the charismatic dimension of the gospel. But you just don't know how to operate in the power and gifts of the Holy Spirit. In fact, some of you erroneously think that that uh, for those who have the gift of healing, they should do it. For those who have the gift of prophesying, they should do it. For those who have the gift of tongues, they should do it. Folks, all those gifts are available for everybody in the church. There are some people who have ministries of prophecy, ministries of healing, but any believer who is indwelled by the Holy Spirit can manifest one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. We've seen it all over the world. You don't have to be somebody special, somebody anointed to do the work of Jesus and manifest one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Again, folks, it's time to get a new perspective. The era of Christendom is over. And everything that goes with it, everything that goes with it, that has to exist with it, it's very fleeting. It's very fleeting. I want to encourage you, and I want to warn you, is that this 2024 year, I think, is going to be a wild ride. It's going to be a, a journey into the unknown in terms of Western culture. Are you ready? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go there? I pray that I am. I pray that I am. Paul says, those of you who are married, certainly don't neglect your marriage, but don't just focus on that above all else. Those of you who are involved in things of the world of buying and selling and purchasing and whatever, hey, realize that this world, the time we have in this world is short. The time of Jesus's return is growing shorter and shorter. We're seeing some signs of the time. I'm not predicting dates or seasons or anything like that, but with all that we see, these little fires with the potential to grow into a raging fire could indeed bring us into the epoch of the end of the age and the glorious return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but when Jesus comes, I want to be expanding his kingdom rather than building mine. Amen. Can I bless you? Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, May he bless you. May he bless me. May he empower you with his Holy Spirit and empower me to be faithful, to be faithful servants, to do our duty in bringing the good news of Jesus to a world in desperate need of his gospel, his glorious power and presence. Amen. You've been listening to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. We invite you to subscribe or follow this podcast on your preferred podcasting platform. To find out more about Hope on the Way Ministries and Father John, check out our website at hopeontheway.info. That's hopeontheway.info. 
Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the companionship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. Amen.